0: Hi again, everybody. It's me, JR Mann. Welcome to your Life's Work podcast. How you doing? Day 31 of the big social media fast, off the twits, the Insta, and the face, all in an effort for me to move more intentionally in my life over the next 40 days from January 1st to February 9th. Podcast every day with somebody that I love, cherish, that dribbles with joyness. Today, Mike Asparza, radio personality in San Diego, California, by far one of the funniest guys in entertainment, period, hands down. Also, big faith. The guy's got a heart the size of the moon, the earth, the solar system, and he's going to talk about that. Uh, hey, I'm jrman.com, N.com. If you need a spiritual director or mentor, I know you do. So what are you doing? Jump on the phone, jump on the jump on the email, get a hold of me. But first, here's a little Mike Esparza. Hello, my friend. Yo, my brother. How you doing?
1: I'm doing good, man.
0: How you doing? Dude, uh, so I've got this social media fast that I'm doing for 40 days. So I made it all about, like, intentionally moving into the people that I love's business. And I, I, like, made a little list. And, like, dude, not only were you, like, one of the first people I'm like, yo, I'm totally touching base with him. And we're podcasting and sharing love That's what we're going to do.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) All
0: right, we're rolling, just so you know.
1: Oh, okay.
0: All right, cool. Dude, you're in. You're in. Dude, you're like... I'm in. But, I mean, here's the thing. You're a professional radio guy, so this doesn't freak you out at all.
1: Uh, This stuff is fun. This stuff is just a good time, man. I mean, getting to talk to a friend, getting to be on the podcast, talk a little face, a little radio I love it, man. How
0: long have we known each other? Like, it's been a long time.
1: I can tell you exactly.
0: Yeah, go. Let's
1: see, 93, uh, 03, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. We've known each other. Twenty six years?
0: <laughs> Holy crap, dude! That's fantastic. Isn't that great? I mean, isn't it great to like it's, even? Uh, it's amazing. It's it is. It is the um. So you've been a long. Well, tell everybody who you are and where you are and what you do and all that kind. Of. Br- bring everybody up to speed here.
1: Well, my name is Mike Esparza, but I have a radio show, and and on the radio show, uh, I've been known as Mikey for a number of years, uh, about twenty years. And uh, I do a radio show in San Diego on 100.7 San Diego. And I'm on weekdays from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. And uh, I am a 48-year-old guy. Um, I've got three kids. I'm divorced. Uh, I've got three kids, Jake, Luke, and Ryan. Jake is uh, 12 years old, extremely intelligent and fun. And, uh, my twins are nine years old, Luke and Ryan, and they're a lot of fun too. And just vivacious and, and fun kids.
0: Dude, twins, twins, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was that, was that more than you bargained for when two of them come out? Like, you're like, Oh my gosh.
1: Oh, for sure, man. I mean, we, we decided that we were going to have one more child. So we're going to have two kids and um you know we had been going to the uh OBGYN appointments and everything was great with the baby cuz we <laughs> thought we were having one and our OBGYN thought we were having one and then one day we went in and she did this whole exam and she said oh hey by the way I forgot to check your cervix is it okay if I check your cervix before you go oh my god and Rebecca said yeah sure so uh she got back on the table and they did this ultrasound and Rebecca and I were talking to one another and the doctor said to herself, not even out loud to us, <laughs> but she said out loud, Oh, there's two.
0: Oh my gosh, dude.
1: And our life changed forever. I mean, we were both in shock and uh it's been a ride. I mean, these are they're the twins are great and just really different personalities. Right. And uh dude, I love I love being
0: a dad to twins. Dude, it, I can't I even have, I, I can't even imagine somebody go, "Oh, see, well, I I take that back because now that I heard you say that, when the adopted yeah. when the adoption agency called us because we were expecting one, we were expecting one kid. So when we got the call that we were taking three, <laughs> Like...
1: Oh, wow. Yeah,
0: dude. I mean, that was like, wait a minute, we're taking three all at once? And they're like, yes. (laughs) So, yeah. So that's a a handful. I mean, anybody... I know a few other people that have twins. It That's a handful,
1: man. It is. It is. When they're little, it it totally is. And I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, my oldest was only three when they were born. And so I remember times... JR were we were in the car and the twins would start crying and that would set Jake off and <laughs> he would start crying and he had these three kids back there screaming and crying yeah and i remember thinking to myself wow that is not music that i'm hearing right now <laughs> where's the that's the, the opposite uh, of music
0: yeah where's the wine man pull over
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like, I remember saying to Rebecca at that time, are they for real?
0: <laughs> is this really happening?
1: <laughs> is this ha- like is this real life? Yeah.
0: Because um,
1: they went on. I mean, they, they went on about it for a good 10-15.
0: Oh, dude. Uh, yeah, I, I... It's something. Yeah, three kids. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dude, I'm with you. When you have three kids, you're in a whole other... It's a whole other... It's a whole nother deal, man. Like, I see, I see parents yeah. with one kid. I'm always, like, jealous. Like, great. You guys going to Disneyland again? Have fun. Um,
1: oh, So... <laughs> so yeah. Imagine Disney, you know, they're born, they were born in August and September. So the twins were born in August. Jake is born in September. Imagine three little kids at Disneyland at the end of August. Yeah. No. When it's only a hundred degrees and the, no, and it and it feels like a hundred ten, and those kids want to stay out there all day long. That was something else, man.
0: Dude, I'll I mean, and the reality of Disneyland is, and for the parents that live in Southern California and have happened to go a few times uh over just a couple of years, the reality of Disneyland is it's a big pain in the ass. <laughs> At the end of the day, I mean, oh yeah, it is it is super super difficult to get kids in and out of. Di- I mean. I don't know. I know I have a few adults and you probably know these guys too. They have like season passes and then they just go by themselves or with their spouses. Do you know these people?
1: Oh yeah. 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 In fact, when, uh, you know, when I, when I was working at, uh, another radio station here in town, uh, my, yeah, uh, I was making considerably more. My wife would get season tickets or season passes. That is to both, Disneyland and and California Adventure and Legoland, oh. <laughs> and so that was the kids' lives. You know, yeah. they were just either always at Legoland, yeah. or they were always at Disneyland.
0: Right. Well, I mean, and they,
1: you know, they loved it. Yeah, dude. Okay, Me, so not as much.
0: No, dude, dude, I'm so out on it. The um, okay, so some of my greatest broadcasting. Uh, times have actually been with you. And when I was thinking about oh, it, dude, yes. yes, for real, like between radio and because te- you and I have done radio projects together, television projects together and have literally laughed myself until I peed um, because yeah. y- your your comic genius is ve- very well noted. I mean, there's nobody that that doesn't listen to you for half a second before they get how damn funny you are. But um, have you always you. have you always known that you were just a great broadcaster? I mean, did you always know that?
1: You know, I, I'm going to be really honest with you, man. I did. I really did. I knew that when I got started, that I was. I made it a goal of mine that I would say out loud to people, "I am going to be famous on the radio." Right, and I'm and I'm going to make a good living at it. Yeah. And I did not for a long time. It took a while, but eventually, you know, I, I was able to, to make a good living from this business. And, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with my brother, my, one of my older brothers that had worked in radio in Los Angeles, uh, scheduling commercials. And he said to me, you know, I'm telling you man it's it's a boring life doing radio. He says I walk by and see those DJs in there and they got they got their hand on their fists and they're just bored and and I said, "Well, I'm going to be more than that. I want to be a personality." And he says, "Well, you know, there's only one Casey Kasem." And I didn't skip a beat. I said back to him, "There's only one Mikey." Yeah, man. And um you know, and I, I just sent about to try to make an impact in this industry and not just an impact, uh, you know, ratings wise. I wanted to make an impact in people's lives. Right. I wanted to make a, a big impact in people's lives.
0: What was and, uh, what was so the what was the time right for you? my testimony? Yeah, well yeah, and, and 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 as we head into that, like what was the turning point for you where you because I mean I, I mean I know the story. I mean you get on Howard Stern at one point, that kind of lights a big fuse for you and then yeah. yeah, give us that piece and then lead us into you know lead us into your face story from there.
1: Okay, so um we could start with Howard Stern. So in in 1997, uh I was still doing kind of shock jock type of radio and I wasn't saved and uh, you know um, I I was pretty successful at that um, and in you know 2003 I had developed a really bad drinking problem and knew that I was an alcoholic and that I needed help and one night I was laying in bed and I was looking at the ceiling and tears were pulling down my face into my ears. And, and it was a silent cry. I, don't, you know, I wasn't, wasn't crying out loud, but the tears were streaming down my face. And it was because I knew that if I continued down this path with alcohol, I was going to die. I just knew it. And for the first time in my life, um, I asked Jesus to really not just be in my life, but run my life. And, uh, I went to rehab and I did 30 days in rehab and I came out and I was on fire for Jesus. I I just knew that I couldn't do the same type of radio show anymore. Um, and I decided that I was going to do a radio show that I ran everything through Jesus first. And uh, And what is that? that Radio show.
0: And what does that look like? What does that look like? Because I know a lot of people are like, you know, what is that like? You go to HR and go, hey, where's the Jesus phone? Like what? Like give us the like, (laughs) give us, give us the practicality of like, of of seriously, because I like I like this like how you say in essence. I decided to like kind of let him take over, like him have control, right. him have the essence of who I am, or me have the essence of him. However, you want to do that. So, what are some of the practical? Yeah, what are some of the practical ways that you? Because radios, I mean, this is a big industry that eats people alive. When you say Jesus, they ban you to AM. <laughs> so, right. So what? What are some of the practical moves you were making at the time in your life?
1: I think just for context, it's important to know that my bosses knew that I had found faith, you know, and I told them I can't do the same type of show anymore because they wanted to hire me to actually replace Howard Stern when Howard Stern went off the radio and went to. Um, he went out terrestrial radio and went to satellite right. and they wanted me to replace him here in, in San Diego. I was one of two people in America that were, uh, replacing Howard Stern that actually had any success at doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was me and, and, a, and a morning show in Philadelphia that took over for Howard and Philly and they did well as, as well. So when you ask, well, how did you do that? How did you make that change from being a shock jock to being, you know, to saying Jesus on the air? Um, The way that it happened was very organically. At the end of one of my shows on Friday, I decided to tell people not what to do, but what happened to me. Right. I didn't want to tell them, you need to find Jesus, you need to do—no way. Right. All it was was me saying— Listen, I used to be an alcoholic, and I, I was miserable, and I was going to die. And I found Jesus, and I'm living by Jesus' way, and it, it, it has really inspired hope inside of me. And so I want you to know if you're listening, and if you are feeling hopeless, I want you to know what happened for me. Yeah, That's what happened for me. And then I ended the show by playing a song from Third Day called Tunnel. And that song meant a lot to a lot of people as well. And so uh, that, that's how it started. That's how well, my, my faith on the radio began.
0: Dude, uh, so, you know, right before I came to San Diego to work for the ABC, you and I kind of had a real quick phone call. Um, and so by the time I got into the market, uh, you know, I was working the morning show, so I was getting off of the morning show and driving back to Carlsbad, listening to you guys every day and laughing my ass up like some of the greatest radio I ever heard was that period of hey. my life, and it was you and all the all the people there. But then it came to that Friday, and I can remember I can remember it like it was yesterday driving down the 101 in Encinitas, and you had hit that spot where you were going to load up on your testimony. And uh, I might have texted you or called you soon after that. But, I mean, just brilliant, dude. It was, it. was Not only was it brilliant of you to be able to discover your own voice to let people have, but the way you did it and the fact that the radio market, like, people here loved it. I mean, people here really... Like, almost everybody I engaged with about your show knew what you did on Fridays, and that was a thing. And and so, it, I mean, it must have been electric for you to get all kinds of messages and phone calls over the, over the years that you did the show.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and there were a lot of people that really uh, were touched by the story, and uh, there were a lot of people that... Um, you know that just it really helped them, and I—I I mean this with genuine sincerity, and you know this to be the truth, Jr. Like it, it, I'm lucky to be the, the the conduit, but I wasn't the reason that those people got saved. Right, right, I wasn't the reason that those people. That was all God. Right, and I give all that glory to God. That is that is God at work.
0: Right yeah I, yeah, and there's yeah absolutely, I mean, without a doubt, the great part of it is to be able to take well, I mean, it's you know particularly in twenty nineteen or as we rolled into the two thousands to be able to take what's happened to your heart, what's happened to your life, what's happened to the essence of who you are, and use any platform and really just move it into people's people's hearts. I mean, it's just such a a blessing and a gift which is why I always admired you, because I just thought not only not only can you just be, hey, I'm normal, because, because there's been such a bad PR problem with Christians over the years, but you also have right. this unbelievable, like, hey, I'm going to move you with my story, with my work, with my humor, with my team. Uh, just, just magic, man. It's just, it's absolutely it, And it was, it, you
1: know, the other, the other thing that I, I thought that, um, I thought kind of helped it, was that because it was radio, I was able to use the medium of powerful, like, soundtrack music. Yeah. um, And really take advantage of everything that the medium of radio allows you to be able to do. And I just tried to work God in with that. Right. And work Jesus in with that how what and, uh, what, great.
0: what were the ingredients uh you know what were the ingredients to be funny because again it's like i th- you know having having you know been a i mean when i was working with triple x church and i was traveling all over the country occasionally i would get to do uh you know a convention or something that had a christian comedian and uh-huh. it, it was always kind of like, you know, another alleyway, uh, you, you know, or another door, if you will. It was never like a real—well, they're not really comedians. They're Christian comedians. So it became this, like, fascinating thing for me to how to watch people kind of separate the humor. Like, they're going to just divide the humor. Like, there's Jesus, and then there's regular. How did you maintain—because your show is funny. I mean, you're funny. How, how would you—you you know, how did, how did you maintain the humor without having to go blue?
1: Um well I I had to start using my creativity and my imagination and I think a lot of it was, you know, God inspired and I came up with ideas that were funny but they weren't they weren't shocking and dirty and you know, like I'll give you an example. Um we did a bit with a girl that was on my show named Ashley. And we did a bit with her called Tone Deaf Karaoke. (laughs) Yeah. And so what she did was she put in earbuds to her iPhone and her music. Yeah. And she was so tone deaf. (laughs) She was just the absolute worst singer that you can imagine. Yeah. And she would sing a song that was popular, and we would have listeners call in and try to guess what it is she was seeing. I mean, she was on American Idol as one of the bad singers.
0: Yeah. 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 I was going to say that
1: (laughs) she actually was, she was on American Idol as one of the bad singers. Yeah. And so we came up with ideas like that and, and we utilized, uh, you know, the things about us that were interesting and we just upped the ante on them. And, you know, we came up with some really funny storylines and, Really funny um, humor, just from doing that, you know. Just from uh, staying on 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 this, like Seinfeld. Seinfeld never had to be dirty; he was just funny.
0: Yeah, man. He, yeah, he was
1: just funny, and so it just takes you know thinking of scenarios in our lives that were funny, and yeah, you know, uh, we, we listeners helped out. The, you know, we um... had this listener that called in. We had a listener who called in one time and turned Sky in. She was a girl on my show. Turned Sky in for, uh, she lived in her neighborhood and said that Sky would wash her car in the most provocative clothes <laughs> you could possibly imagine. Yeah. And, you know, that turned into a big, funny thing. And, um, you know, she said, uh, Sky at the time said, well, the reason that I did that. Was because there's bees everywhere, and they leave little yellow poops on the top of your car. Right. And so ever since then, that listener became known as Bee Poop. <laughs> and oh, Bee Poop man. would call in from time to time, and be like, "Hey, it's Bee Poop," and uh, you know, I just wanted to tell everybody what Sky was up to this weekend. And Sky would be like, "Who are you?
0: Yeah, why you, are you know, why, like, why you why watch snap? it?
1: <laughs> why are you watching? Yeah." So, so it was great stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Fast Fast forward for, uh, to today. So, you know, you're still, I mean, you're still knocking it out of the park. How has the business yeah. changed for you? And, you know, has there been an evolution or a maturity in your faith that has led you to other things in
1: 2019? Well, uh, man, dude, first of all, I got to tell you, even as a friend, you, you are a really, really good interviewer because... You know, really good questions. These are great questions, man. <laughs> and, uh, I, I'm serious. You're um, sweet.
0: You're sweet. Uh,
1: I would say that, you know, every... I was off the radio for five years. Everything changed. Right. Everything. You know, um, the world became very politically correct. Uh, the world came to a place where you really can't joke about anything. Uh, you know, somebody will be offended. Um, so that has been a challenge to navigate that, man. I mean, you can only imagine. I mean, I wasn't doing dirty stuff, but I was doing stuff to make fun of myself. I was doing stuff, you know, to, to parody and lampoon and you know, is like, you can't do a voice of somebody, you know, because I do voices Yeah. and suddenly it was like, well, you can't do voices anymore. Uh, because somebody's going to be offended by, you know, the voice. And so I couldn't do stuff like that anymore. So I just had to reinvent myself and, and just come up with different things. Um, they also, you know, it was a, it was a part of me uh, working at this radio station that they didn't want to do a testimony. And they didn't want to allow of me to do a testimony. So I worked around that. And I find a way at the end of my show on Friday to give people hope. And I don't have to say, you know, that it was Jesus that did this. What I can say is I can provide hope. And I know that people that know me know that the message is I found that hope to Christ. Um, You know, but I, you know, I have to take things, uh, you know, there's certain things that I read in the Bible of like, Man, you know, it tells you what to do as long as it isn't sin. Do what they want you to do, and I and that's what I do. Yeah, and um, it's been successful. You know, it's it, even now uh, the show is is the Mikey show is, is successful, and I think it's because of you know trying to do things like that. You know, I don't hear a lot of people on the radio that try to talk to people that are going through hard times and want to kill themselves. Or, you know, uh, want to uh, fall into depression and things like that. I want to talk to those people still, and I want to let them know there's hope. I've been there, and I came out of it. yeah if I was able to do that and I'm just a short, fat, bald Mexican, you can do it. yeah, anybody like, can do
0: it. yeah, I mean, the great thing about hope. Is how it'll infect the people around you, and that's what it's designed to do. I mean, and there's no doubt yeah. in your case. Once you got into that spot of recovery and risenness with the divine, like you were on fire, and you're still on fire for it. What um, what do you tell people out there? Because I got a lot of people that listen to my podcast that are that are obviously into God. There's a lot of people that listen to the podcast. They're in the TV and radio and in the business. So, and I know I know there's people out there that that are struggling with addiction and bad relationships and, you know, just like, you know, life is a pain in the ass. What do you tell them? What, what's that one kernel that you give people that goes, hey, man, you know, here's a, here's a shot?
1: What I, what I don't do is tell them that they need to find God and that they need, I never do that. What I tell them is, man, I've been there. I've been there. And that has been, those have been some really dark valleys in my life. I've been there. And what I would tell them is, for me, what happened was that I developed a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that changed so much. You know, and it it made my life worth living. You know, I want to live. I want to be alive. I want to be able to tell more people what helped me. That's a very important part of my life is, I do want to help people.
0: Yeah,
1: I want to help people that have gone through things that I've gone through.
0: Do you? Do you have a mantra? I want to
1: tell them the recipe. Do
0: Do you have a mantra like a Mike 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 Asparza mantra?
1: You know, there's so many mantras out there, but I think if I had a mantra, my mantra would be: It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about him. And right. if I make my life centered around that thought things go way better when i do it on my own and i say i got this i don't have it yeah i don't have it he does and if i do it his way things are going to go a lot better and they do
0: yeah they really I do gotta
1: do it his way
0: <laughs> they they, they, they yeah. really do i i they get do it do. <laughs> Okay, so we... They g- really do go a lot better. All right, so we got a couple minutes left. You, I'm going to make you do voices, no matter what. So uh, you pick. <laughs> well,
1: it depends on what the voice is what you want to hear, because certain <laughs> things that I do, I'm not necessarily allowed to do anymore, but this is a podcast You're asking me about this. <laughs> so I can get on and I can basically do whatever voice you'd like me to do. I, I, I do a variety. Um, obviously this is a a British voice, but I'm also fond of Australian. Mike, and I can do that, and I can just change the beat, and suddenly it's Australian. You know me, JR. I'm a ham. I'll do any
0: What did we? What did we used to do uh, on UTTV? What was the bit you used to do when you called in? Weren't you a guy that lived in somebody's basement or something? What was that bit that we used to do?
1: Did we do, uh, did we do, um... uh, gosh, the character's name uh, was Captain Buzzkill. We do <laughs> what, Captain Buzzkill
0: was that it? I think that might have been it. Was I don't
1: I? I, I think it was Captain Buzzkill. Yeah. Captain Buzzkill. When everybody was having a great time, yeah, yeah. Captain Buzzkill would come in, and you could just picture him in his basement <laughs> with Cheerios that had been there for a couple of days and he just would complain. He would call in and he would say, I don't think that what you're doing is funny. <laughs> I think it's rude. And I think that you're trying to isolate people that are overweight <laughs> and it had nothing to do with anybody being overweight.
0: Yeah. Nothing, nothing. Yeah. Cause the, no. the, 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 joke was always like, well, okay, Well, Captain Buzzkill, we, we, re- we never talked about anybody that was overweight. <laughs>
1: I heard it. I heard you. I heard you talk about it. I listened
0: to you. And then it would be like, Captain you know, Buskill, don't you want to get out of your mom's basement?
1: How do you know that I'm in my mom's basement? <laughs> I am. But how do you know? And second of all, I happen to love my mother very much, and I'm the person that's looking after her estate. I'm his, her executor. Well, yeah. And
0: but eventually, you gotta grow, eventually you got to grow. Eventually, you got to grow up, though. Eventually, you got to go get your own life, right? Or no?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think a life where you're an executor, that's a very big responsibility.
0: Do you have a job? Do you have a... I mean, do you work? Where do you work?
1: I work intel. Um, (laughs) Intel. I do... I do a lot of intel for companies that need to go into dangerous areas that involve espionage. (laughs) And that's about as much I can tell you about that. But... (laughs) You people are clearly not only uh, racist, but you don't like people that are overweight.
0: (laughs) So uh, now I know the next podcast we do is going to be nothing but Captain Buzzkill.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I could do Buzzkill all day.
0: All right, uh, thirty Both minutes. The so th- thirty minutes. So I'm doing a podcast every day from January 1st to February 9th, and I'm reaching out to the people that love me. Part of my process, or love you. <laughs> part of the process. Uh-huh. Part of the process for me to look back at you and go. Dude, you have meant so much to my life, my faith, my, the, my formative uh, understanding, not only in the business, but just as a man and as a, as a guy who loves the divine and just is, is all about the things that you are all about. So thank you so much for being my friend and always making me laugh until I pee. And uh, dude, I, hey. love, I love hearing you on the radio, and it always makes me feel close to you. So thank you, buddy, and I appreciate your time today.
1: Dude, not you know. I love you, and I will. I will do anything that you ever need. And and you know, people that don't. A lot of people may listen to to you, and they may see uh, whatever they whatever they hear is what they picture. But what I want people to know from my own personal interactions with with you is that the person that you're listening to on this podcast, Jr., has one of the biggest hearts you're ever going to find in your lifetime. There are a few people that come up along in your lifetime that just have the biggest hearts in the world, and J.R. is one of them, and, you know, he's just an incredible person. I, I say the same thing to you, my friend. I love you, and I, I really appreciate what you said, and same to you.
0: All right, Mike Esparza. You can find him uh, every afternoon here on the San Diego Radio Waves. Um, just a great dude, man. Just just uh, one of my very cherished and, and dear friends over the last 20-plus years, so I uh, can't uh, thank him enough. I'm JR Mann, J-R-M-A-H-O-N. I'm a spiritual director and mentor. What is that, junior I'm the guy that helps solve problems by helping direct you to what the divine is doing inside of you and around you. And if you've got big decisions, whether that's relationship or career path moves or just something that inside of you, you want to change or, you know, like you want, you just, you just want to like take it up a notch in your faith. I'm your man. Um, Hit me at jrman.com, jrmahon.com. There's numbers, there's emails, there's all kinds of great stuff. I can't thank you enough for being along on my passion. Day 32 tomorrow. Oh, how I love you. And we'll talk then.